Just a quick bit of housekeeping before we start the episode. Uh, I'd like for everybody to visit my website, which is alphamalebuddhist.podbean.com. And you can check out all my links there to my Instagram, to my YouTube, to my Etsy store, where I have t-shirts, promotional t-shirts, 12 to be exact. Those shirts are selling for $10. I can convert those. I can actually make you a hoodie for the same price. Shoot me an email at alphamalebuddhist.gmail.com, and I will make that into a hoodie for you. Also, you know, give me some good reviews if you can, if you're getting something from the show. Put up a good review on whatever iTunes or wherever you're listening to the show on. And I also have a phone number, a Google Voice, which is 732-734-1706, where you can leave comments, feedback, or if you want something to share with the Alpha Male community, Alpha Male Buddhist community, just leave a little sound clip. And if it sounds good and it's um, in you know enriching for the community, I'll put it on the podcast, little, little clips. So we'll get into that. And uh, yeah, let's start the show. Welcome back to episode 94 of the Alpha Male Buddhist from Brooklyn podcast. I'm your host, Miguel. Today, we're going to listen to a 17-minute sound clip from Dr. Joe Dispenza, and he's an author, a speaker, a lecturer, and a spiritual genius. He kind of ties back to or reminds me of Dr. Bruce Lipton, who I did in episode 86 with the epigenetics. They both tie in together very well. So as I said, this is going to be a 17-minute clip of Dr. Joe Dispenza, and he gets into some really deep and profound concepts and teachings as far as our attachment to the past, our the habits that we create in our own mind, the subconscious mind, and how that ties into suffering. As I listen to this, it kind of echoes in my head from the Dharmapada, from Buddhist teachings of how attachment equals suffering. The underlying thread of this whole thing is attachment. When When you listen to him, Again, I'm not able to express it or put it in words as well as Dr. Joe Dispenza. He really, really does a great job with it in in the speaking. So, this is a fair use common Creative Commons license for this episode because it's a sound clip I took off YouTube. And Dr. Joe Dispenza has his own website, which is, you can look it up on Google, but it's uh, drjoedispenza.com, I believe it is. And his books are Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself, Becoming Supernatural, You Are the Placebo, and Evolve Your Brain. He also does seminars and a lot of uh, professional work in this in this line, you know, where he does motivational speaking and, you know, enables and empowers others. So I think corporations and such hire him to speak. Um, we're going to get right into the clip, man, because I, I like I said, I, when I listen to this, it grabbed me from like literally like the 30 seconds into it. I'm like, I've never really heard of him. Started listening to it and it just resonated with me at a, at a very, very deep level. What he was saying, he, he was speaking such truth. How, again, the attachment and, and such and the suffering and the mechanisms of the brain and how we create habits. habits. This is this is the truth that should be put out there. So again, uh, without any further ado, I'm going to put this 17 minute clip up. And I'll just speak a little bit at the uh, end of this. So let's check it out. Well, a habit is a redundant set of automatic, unconscious thoughts, behaviors, and emotions that's acquired through repetition. A habit is when you've done done something so many times that your body now knows how to do it better than your mind. 
So if you think about it, people wake up in the morning, uh, they begin to think about their problems. Those problems are circuits of memories in the brain. Each one of those memories are connected to people and things at certain times and places. And if the brain is a record of the past, the moment they start their day, they're already thinking in the past. Each one of those memories has an emotion. Emotions are the end product of past experiences. So the moment they recall those memories of their problems, they all of a sudden feel unhappy, they feel sad, they feel pain. Now, how you think and how you feel creates your state of being. So the person's entire state of being when they start their day is in the past. So what does that mean? The familiar past will sooner or later be predictable future. So if you believe that your thoughts have something to do with your destiny and you can't think greater than how you feel, or feelings have become the means of thinking, by very definition of emotions, you're thinking in the past. And for the most part, you're gonna keep creating the same life. So then people grab their cell phone, they check their WhatsApp, they check their texts, they check their emails, they check Facebook, they take a picture of their feet, they post it on Facebook, they tweet something, they do Instagram, uh, they check the news, and now they feel really connected to everything that's known in their life. And then they go through a series of routine behaviors. They get out of bed on the same side, they go to the toilet, they get a cup of coffee, they take a shower, they get dressed, they drive to work the same way, they do the same things, they see the same people, they push the same emotional buttons, and that becomes the routine and it becomes like a program. So now they've lost their free will to a program and there's no unseen hand doing it to them. So when it comes time to change, the redundancy of that cycle becomes a subconscious program. So now, 95% of who we are by the time we're 35 years old is a memorized set of behaviors, emotional reactions, unconscious habits, hardwired attitudes, beliefs, and perceptions that function like a computer program. So then, a person can say with their 5% of their conscious mind, I want to be healthy, I want to be happy, I want to be free. But the body's on a whole different program. So then, how do you begin to make those changes? Well you have to get beyond the analytical mind because what separates the conscious mind from the subconscious mind is the analytical mind. And that's where meditation comes in because you can teach people through practice how to change their brainwaves, slow them down. And when they do that properly, they do enter the operating system where they can begin to make some really important changes. So um, most people then wait for crisis or trauma or disease or diagnosis, you know, they wait for loss. Uh, some tragedy to make up their mind to change. And my message is why wait? And, and you can learn and change in a state of pain and suffering, or you can learn and change in a state of joy and inspiration. And I think right now, the cool thing is that people are waking up. That's really interesting. And where I found the, um, the deepest hooks into how powerful this can be for somebody is when you talk about trauma, and you've talked about how people experience a traumatic event, but they then basically rehearse it and how that then has this knock-on effect. So what is that? Why do people find it so hard to get past trauma? The stronger the emotional reaction you have to some experience in your life, the higher the emotional quotient, the more you pay attention to the cause. And the moment the brain puts all of its attention on the cause, it takes a snapshot, and that's called a memory. So long-term memories are created from very highly um, uh, emotional experiences. So what happens then is that people think neurologically within the circuitry of that experience, and they feel chemically within the boundaries of those emotions. 
And so, when you have an emotional reaction to someone or something, most people think that they can't control their emotional reaction. Well, it turns out if you allow that emotional reaction, it's called a refractory period, to last for hours or days, that's called the mood. I say to someone, hey, well, what's up? You say, I'm in a mood. Well, why are you in a mood? Well, I had this thing happen to me five days ago and I'm having one long emotional reaction. If you keep that same emotional reaction going on for weeks or months, that's called temperament. Why is he so bitter? I don't know, let's ask him. Why is he so bitter? Why are you bitter? Well, I had this thing happen to me nine months ago. And if you keep that same emotional reaction going on for years on end, that's called a personality trait. And so learning how to shorten your refractory period of emotional reactions is really where the, where the work starts. So then people, when they have an event, what they do is they keep recalling the event because the, the emotions of stress hormones, the survival emotions, are saying pay attention to what happened because you want to be prepared if it happens again. Turns out most people spend 70% of their life living in survival and living in stress. So they're, they're always anticipating the worst case scenario based on a past experience. And they're literally, out of the infinite potentials in the quantum field, they're selecting the worst possible outcome and they're beginning to emotionally embrace it with fear. And they're conditioning their body into a state of fear. Do that enough times, body has a panic attack without you. You, you can't even predict it because it's programmed subconsciously. So then, you say to the person, why are you this way? And they'll say, I am this way because of this event that happened to me 15 or 20 years ago. And what that means from a biological standpoint is that they haven't been able to change since that event. So then the emotions from the experience tend to give the body and the brain a rush of energy. So people become addicted to the rush of those emotions and they use the problems and conditions in their life to reaffirm their limitation so at least they can feel something. So now when it comes time to change, you say to the person, why are you this way? Well, every time they recall the event, they're producing the same chemistry in their brain and body as if the event is occurring. Firing and wiring the same circuits and sending the same emotional signature to the body. Well, what's the relevance behind that? Well, your body is the unconscious mind. It doesn't know the difference between the experience that's creating the emotion and the emotion that you're creating by thought alone. So the body's believing. It's living in the same past experience 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. And so then when those emotions influence certain thoughts, and they do, and then those thoughts create the same emotions and those same emotions influence the same thoughts, now the entire person's uh, state of being is in the past. So then, the hardest part about change is not making the same choice as you did the day before, period. And the moment you decide to make a different choice, get ready because it's going to feel uncomfortable. The bigger thing is that we, we keep firing and wiring those circuits, they become more hardwired. So you have a thought and then the program runs. But it's the emotion that follows the thought. If you, have a, if you have a fearful thought, you're going to feel anxiety. The moment you feel anxiety, your brain's checking in with your body and saying, yeah, you're pretty anxious. So then you start thinking more corresponding thoughts equal to how you feel. Well, the redundancy of that cycle conditions the body to become the mind. So now, when it comes time to change, a person steps into that river of change and they make a different choice and all of a sudden, they don't, they, they, they don't feel the same way. 
So the body says, well, you've been doing this for 35 years. Uh, you're you're going to just stop feel, suffering and stop feeling guilty and stop feeling shameful and you're not going to complain or blame or make excuses or feel sorry for yourself. Well, <laughs> the body's in the unknown. So the body says, I want to return back to familiar territory. So the body starts influencing the mind and it says, start tomorrow. You're too much like your mother. You'll never change. This isn't going to work for you. This doesn't feel right. Uh, and so if you respond to that thought, as if it's true. That same thought will lead to the same choice, which will lead to the same behavior, which will create the same experience, which will produce the same emotion. I wanna talk about that notion of, give me a little more detail <clears throat> what you mean by the body becomes the mind or the unconscious mind. What do you mean by that exactly? Well, those are two different things. Your body is your unconscious mind. In a sense, if you're sitting down and you start thinking about uh, some future worst-case scenario that you're conjuring up in your mind and you begin to feel the emotion of that event your body doesn't know the difference between the event that's taking place in your world outer world and what you're creating by emotion or thought alone so most people then they're they're constantly reaffirming their emotional states so when it comes time to give up that emotion they can say I really want to do it but really the body is stronger than the mind because it's been conditioned that way. So the servant now has become the master and the person all of a sudden, once they step into that unknown, they'd rather feel guilt and suffering because at least they can predict it. Being the unknown is a scary place for most people because the unknown is uncertain. People say to me, well, I can't predict my future. I'm in the unknown and I always say the best way to predict your future is to create it not from the known, but from the unknown. What thoughts do you want to fire and wire in your brain? What behaviors do you want to demonstrate in one day? The act of rehearsing the mentally, closing your eyes, and rehearsing the action. The rehearsing the reaction of what you want? or the Yeah, action the action of what you want. By closing your eyes and mentally rehearsing some action. If you're truly present, the brain does not know the difference between what you're imaging and what you're experiencing in 3D world. So then you begin to install the neurological hardware in your brain to look like the event has already occurred. Now, your brain is no longer a record of the past. Now it's a map to the future. And if you keep doing it, priming it that way, the hardware becomes a software program. And who knows, you just may start acting like a happy person. And then I think the, the hardest part is to teach our body emotionally what the future will feel like ahead of the actual experience. So what does that mean? You can't wait for your success to feel empowered. You can't wait for your wealth to feel abundant. You can't wait for your, your new relationship to feel love or uh, uh, your healing to feel whole. I mean, that's the old model of reality of cause and effect, you know, waiting for something outside of us to change how we feel inside of us. And when we feel better inside of us, we pay attention to whoever or whatever caused it. But, what that means then is that from the Newtonian world is that most people spend their whole life living in lack, waiting for something to change out there. What do you mean the Newtonian world? The Newtonian world is all about the predictable. It's all about predicting a future. But the quantum model of reality is, is about causing an effect. The moment you start feeling abundant and worthy, you are generating wealth. The moment you're empowered and feel it, you're beginning to step towards your success. The moment you start feeling whole, your healing begins. And when you love yourself and you love all of life, you'll create an equal. And now you're causing an effect. And I think that's the, the difference between living as a victim 
in your world saying, I am this way because of this person or that thing or this experience. They made me think and feel this way. When you switch that around, you become a creator of your world and you start saying, my thinking and my feeling is changing an outcome in my life. And now that's a whole different game and we start believing more that we're creators of reality. So how do we go from, okay, I have this negative emotion, it's controlling my life, it's got me in this cycle of, I think about this emotion which triggers a chemical reaction, which trains my body to feel that way, which makes it easier, more likely I will do it again, and so now I'm, I'm in this vicious cycle. And unconscious, and it's unconscious. Right, and you, um, you said, does your thinking create your environment or does your environment create your thinking, which I thought was really, really interesting. So how do we then go from that, like mechanistically, mm -hmm. to begin this visualization process of something that's empowering, <clears throat> it's me in a different state, it's my future self, is it meditation, is sure. it, what does that look like? If you're not being defined by a vision of the future, then you're left with the old memories of the past and you will be predictable in your life. And if you wake up in the morning and you're not being defined by a vision of the future, as you see the same people and you go to the same places and you do the exact same thing at the exact same time, it's no longer that your personality is creating your personal reality. Now your personal reality is affecting or creating your personality. Your environment is really controlling how you think and feel unconsciously. Because every person, every thing, every place, every experience has a neurological network in your brain. Every experience that you have with every person produces an emotion. So some people will use their boss to reaffirm their addiction to judgment. They'll use their enemy to reaffirm their addiction to hatred. They'll use their friends to reaffirm their addiction to suffering. So now they need the outer world to feel something. So to change then is to be greater than your environment, to be greater than the conditions in your world. And the environment is that seductive. So then why is meditation the tool? Well. Let's sit down, let's close our eyes. Let's disconnect from your outer environment. So if you're seeing less things, there's less stimulation going to your brain. If you're playing soft music or you have earplugs in, less sensory information coming to your brain. So you're disconnecting from your environment. If you can sit your body down and tell it to stay like an animal, stay right here, I'm gonna feed you when we're done. You can get up and check your emails, you can do all your texts, but right now, you're gonna sit there and obey me. So then, when you do that properly, and you're not eating anything, or smelling anything, or tasting anything, you're not up experiencing and feeling anything, you would have to agree with me that you're being defined by a thought, right? So when the body wants to go back to its emotional past, and you become aware that your attention is on that emotion, and where you place your attention is where you place your energy. You're siphoning your energy out of the present moment into the past, and you become aware of that. And you settle your body back down in the present moment, because it's saying, well, it's eight o'clock, you normally get upset because you're in traffic around this time, and here you are sitting, and we're used to feeling anger, and you're off schedule. Oh, it's 11 o'clock, and you usually check your emails and judge everybody. Well, the body's looking for that, that predictable chemical state. Every time you become aware that you're doing that and your body is craving those emotions and you settle it back down into the present moment, you're telling the body it's no longer the mind, that you're the mind. And now your will is getting greater than the program. And if you keep doing this over and over again, over and over again, over and over again, just like training a stallion or a dog, it's just gonna say, <laughs> I'm gonna sit. And the moment that happens, and the body's no longer the mind, when it finally surrenders 
there's a liberation of energy. We go from particle to wave, from matter to energy, and we free ourselves from the chains of those emotions that keep us in the, in the familiar past. And we've seen this thousands of times. In fact, we can actually predict it now on a brain scan. Again, that was Dr. Joe Dispenza. This would be a great clip to play to yourself over and over and over again and make it part of the programming of your own brain, which will enable you to reset or, again, reprogram your thinking process and take control from your existence, take the control away from your subconscious mind because as as you can hear, the subconscious mind basically runs 95% of the show, which is really directly attached to the ego, past fears, past bad experiences, and suffering from the past. And what ends up happening is if you look at the first verse, the first sentence of the Dharmapada, it says, Buddha says, all that we are is what we think. And as you go down a few lines later, he says, Something to the effect of, you know, he hurt me, he robbed me, he brutalized me. Those who attach to those feelings will be enslaved to their oppressors for, you know, forever because you're attaching to that suffering. You know, this is some deep concepts. I mean, you really got to reflect on this. I highly recommend you go back and listen to this episode or, or that clip of, of Dr. Dispenza again, probably, and I'm being serious a couple of times, two, three times, if not more. So... I really like the way he gets into the meditation because as he's describing it, it's a way for you to unplug from this subconscious mind and this programming that we have, this matrix programming, and enables you to get into the operating system of your own mind, of your own consciousness. Really, it's consciousness more than mind. Get into the operating system of your consciousness, kind of reboot it, and lay down your own way of of existing and living your life away from this suffering that we we go through you know as you know a lot of people are on antidepressants and there's some really crazy statistics like a lot of i forget how many it is i think it's 200 veterans a day commit suicide and just it's it's horrendous what's happening right now and, and what's happening is we're all slaves and subjected in addition to being debt slaves we're slaves to our subconscious mind and the programming that it doles out to us on a daily basis. Where we're just basically automatons following that programming laid down. It's so important to meditate, to do deep breathing, to get in touch with nature, and to switch up your routine. I spoke about that. I always speak about that in my episodes where you have to kind of sometimes walk down a different street, read a different book, or just have a different experience. Like I like, I like to call it roll in the mud. Just do something completely random and different where you kind of kind of change your, your whole paradigm, the way you see the world, and just see it in a slightly different angle. So, you know, I can't lay it all down into words, but, you know, you kind of connect the dots and figure it out. But you got to shake it up a little bit. And it's very interesting the way Dr. George Dispenza expresses and explains the situation why we attach is because when you have these bad experiences, this pain, this trauma in your life, it has a direct biological effect on your response with different types of endorphins and different type of hormones and, you know, things releasing in your body. And it gives your body a charge. And again, that charge could be a positive or a negative charge. It, it's, again, they're both opposite ends of the same spectrum. 
So you get this charge out of it, this emotional charge, and your body actually experiences it as if it was the first time you were traumatized by this event. So you get that that push, that charge, that rush from that. So people go and relive it over and over again because they're not having real life experiences. And again, they're just being subjected to what has happened to them before. So the liberation to this is the detachment, the self-realization, the meditation, the deep breathing, and having real life experiences and pushing yourself to the direction that you need to go. So I'm going to kind of leave it right here. Um, I really want to thank you for listening and namaste. Welcome to the Alpha Male Buddhist from Brooklyn podcast. I'm your host, Miguel. I like to cover topics from ancient history, great leaders and generals from the past, and I also like to talk about self-realization, truth, critical thinking, and strategic spirituality. Outside the box, nonconformist. I'm here to shatter the myths of the mainstream media and the beta sheeple narrative. My email address is alphamalebuddhist at gmail.com.